Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It's March 4th, 2022, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 465. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Patrick Klapek. Is this the new uh, Thursday vibe? Or what's You put on a new hat? Ren out of new price. New jacket? It's my birthday. How old are you, Ren? I'm 22. Hello, birthday. Wait, today? Uh, the day this comes out, yeah. The day it comes out. Okay. This- March 4th. 2022, I become 22 years oh, old, man. yes. It is oh, now legal yeah. to completely ignore Ren's birthday. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so fucking stoked. I'm good. I'm free. No, you're not. I'm free. No, you're not. You're going to be carded or, until you're like fucking or, 30 like I was. <laughs> ex- actually, no, 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 no. I don't get carded. Really? I, I, I have a I have a storied history. Well, okay. See, I, I'm fu- I'm furious. Yeah, I'm there's just, over here there's just... Some, Okay. Okay. Carter, you said until you're 30. I get regularly carded. I'm 37. I don't think that's ending anytime soon. People come it, to my front worth- door to do work on my house, and they ask, are your parents your home? <laughs> yep. Jesus Christ. It's worth noting that there are a couple of factors that 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 divide all of us. One, I am a five foot seven woman with a deeper than average voice. And for some reason, people associate voice depth with age. This is something that I learned recently when I was working at a Starbucks and a girl with the highest pitch voice I've ever fucking heard, heard me speak. And she was like, so you're like in your late twenties. And I was like, no, I'm 21. And then she was like, Oh, I just assumed from your voice. And I was like, don't know how you got there, but congrats. Um, but also I'm five foot seven. And for some reason, again, people associate height with age. Um, also, I have a habit of ordering exclusively um, whiskey straight and neat from bartenders. And guess what? Bartenders do not card you if you say whiskey straight and neat. They're like, not, not no. true. Not categorically <laughs> really? false. Not, can, no, not can, not, can, not, can not like that is Patrick. also like my favorite drink. And I can tell you, you can look young enough that they will still do it. Couldn't be me. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for Red you. Red is just too powerful. It, I yeah, am too powerful. I've, I've got bad bitch privilege, so people don't card me. One time I showed up to a bar without my fucking Vax card, and I left it at home, and the dude was like, he was really working. He was like, do you have pictures of it? Like, how can we How can we make this happen? And I was like, thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate I appreciate your your work in these trying times. We, we, we went to Illinois, like, in theory has, or had. They dropped everything on, on Monday, because we're out of the pandemic. Um, <gasps> and, uh, uh, but we took the kids to this uh uh arcade and they also serve beer we went with some friends of ours and and it was the first time where like dave and I'd busters gotten, it, uh, similar but not not an actual dave and buster okay. that one's there we have one of those but it's like 40 minutes away uh, uh this is a little closer but uh you know we went in the front door and uh it was the first time despite going to places that say make sure you have your vax card there was somebody there like checking my id checking my uh-huh. vax card checking the id against the vax card and i was like 
oh well, this is one day before the mandate drops, but I don't. I, I'm glad that I'm glad that they're doing, which means they've probably been doing it in the past. And then I realized this place that we went to is connected to a mall. Um, they're only doing it for the front entrance for to the their place. Oh <laughs> the, the, the entrance to the mall, which is where most people come in the place. Just nobody there, oh not checking God. anything. That's America. That yeah. is the uh, most one hundred percent. That's in who New we York, are. Good about it. In New York, at the very least, they're like they're like pretty. They will they will get very and they will they will not let you in place. My, well, you my understanding is like if you if if I'd gone to Chicago proper, that they they were much stricter down there, but out here in the in the in the suburbs. Less so, unfortunately. Right. And our producer, Ricardo Contreras. Now it's probably a bad time to notice that Rob seems a little quieter than normal, huh? Oh no. my god. He sounds He's great. Fine. He's crisp and clear. <laughs> he sounds great to me. He's I want to say, Rob, uh, you've been having some audio issues, but last uh, Monday's podcast, Tuesdays for the listeners, was perfect. You find it was Rob's it was dialed in. Um, I love Rob's dulcet tones. <laughs> so We're hopefully, there, see, yeah, hopefully that'll that'll just be what's on the track. That that's what's important. It, what's on the track? It, it was the Windows Boost all along. I think maybe. <laughs> that's like Who's me to trying say? to. That's like me trying to track down like why my computer won't go to sleep. Uh, uh, this new PC that I got, it, the Wait. monitors will will turn off, but it they won't ever go to sleep. No. Yeah, the, mine mine also did that for a while, what? and then I and then I replaced the. Well, here's the thing: when I replaced that AIO unit, caught out. Yeah. When I, I it ended up, it started going to sleep. My entire fucking life, this computer has not gone to sleep. So I'm wondering if the issue with my computer going to sleep is just trying to get the 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 water pump to turn on. It could it be like a sending so signals as I've learned. Like, it, it could be so. It could be everything. Like people are like, uh, here is 100 why your computer is not going to sleep. Q. 12 different like versions of what that could be which is like oh it's always the if you got an xbox controller wireless thing it's always that you got to go monitor that. oh actually if you got a wi-fi chip oh actually it's the fast boot mode in windows oh, oh actually uh wi-fi chip uh you know it's uh the usb it's some sort of other usb controller Hold i on. think i help yeah. me understand really quick you're mm-hmm. going into the fucking Windows menu and hitting sleep and it no, doesn't no, no, do no, it? No, 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 If I, if I force it to sleep, if I, if I, if I hit Windows X and then I hit U and then S, which are the shortcuts in Windows 11 to just jump through those hoops and go straight to sleep from any, any menu, it turns off the monitor, okay. the hard drive spin down. Oh, the, this the was fancy, not my experience. Will it stay asleep? That's the thing. I might well, not stay asleep. So it, it would, would come it would back not, on. And I, I believe what I did was so what I was told, and this is the path that I followed was like, you know, like resolve any driver conflicts you might have in your device manager. I did all that. And then put your computer to sleep and then come back when it's awoken itself, bring it back up to life, go to the command prompt. And then there's a, a power config. I don't know. You could basically ask the computer, hey, man, what woke you up? Woke you up? <laughs> like, what are you doing? And I was a- then I was able to take a USB device string and then paste that into Google and then that came up with a website that's like, do you want to know what your device is? And I was like, I do actually. And I was able to trace it back to, I think it's my mouse. Cause several people said, huh. if you have a mouse that like is the laser is like slightly unaligned or something where it could be totally usable. You could use the mouse every day. It's totally functional for your, for work and gaming or whatever, but that it will just kind of move a tiny bit and just completely wake itself up. So hopefully I've, I've done all those things. I can't find out until after this <laughs> After I leave my house after this podcast and have dinner with somebody that maybe I'll come back and the computer will be asleep or more as likely I'm just going to have to 
keep manually putting it to to I guess shutting it down because sleeping it doesn't it works yeah. for a couple hours and then it and then all, all of a sudden the, the lights that are Mine installed will on this work Costco machine for like five minutes. minutes like I will send minutes. it to sleep like yes this is me like I like sh- I, I put the computer to sleep I start walking to the <laughs> stairs and I'll hear <laughs> and I'll come back and it's just back on uh, here's my horror story my computer for months and months and months uh, was making a Geiger counter-esque screaming sound. <laughs> and it would do that when I put it into sleep mode. And so, Rob, and now imagine, now imagine you're fucking having the experience you just had. But every time that fucker turns back on, it's like... Like your computer is in pain and it's audibly attempting to communicate. With you. And and now, oh God. and and now, Ren is Rob, in a Cronenberg movie. And um. now, Rob, the computer is in your bedroom. So every time you're trying to lay the fuck down, your computer is just. Wait. Or I lived like this. Why don't you just for, shut it down? God, this is what I was gonna say. I started. I don't to, leave that I shit on overnight. <laughs> I started to shut it down, but like this, this is what got me in the habit of shutting it down. But this is the life that I lived for six months. Oh my God. Why would you do that for six months? (laughs) Listen, listen, let me be clear. I, I fixed it because I was on podcasts and streams for a living. I don't care about what happens to me. Come on, world. <laughs> throw on all the negative stimuli no. you can. Fuck me right up. But the second someone in the audience is like, that is the worst sound I've ever fucking heard. I'm like, I know, right? Time to fix it. Um, I will, I will suffer any inconvenience. Any inconvenience. Uh, if it is, if it is only my inconvenience. Other people, though, no. Yeah. Unacceptable. So- my computer right now is, though, at a more... It's the most exasperating setup. Now, this is completely, like, home-built, etc. And something weird happened during the Windows install that never... It was, like, one of those things where I was just too tired to deal with that day. And I've never dealt with it since. But also, I'm, like, not sure what the deal is. So, when you install Windows, right? It's, like, shut us down. Shut it down. It's going to restart. Do that a couple times. It would just freeze. It would hang on that part of the install. I see, I was like, what's going on? And sort of pay attention. And then I would realize like the little like power indicator light would never fully flicker off and then start itself back off. And I was like, huh, well, I'm desperate at this point. I just want this thing to run. So hold it down 10 seconds and like hard power cut and shut down. Then I hit the button, come back up. The windows install would complete. I was like, huh, that was weird. The computer won't turn off via like I can't just hit like shut down and the computer turns off. It will turn off. The computer is off, but it's like in this weird standby state where there is still power like running through the system as if it's on. And I've got that little power monitor. So I know Patrick like it is <laughs> it like even though it is like shut down and nothing is happening, it is still at about like 80 percent of its like idle power consumption. And I have to like mash the power 80%? button percent. Mind you, well, when it's idle. It's actually pretty low, right? Like a completely idle computer where it's just like sitting there on a desktop mm, is right. pretty like pretty much not doing. The monitor is drawing more power right than the than the computer. Mm. Um, but still, yeah, like it's still like 
like chugging a lot of that that juice and i would have to it's like so chug every, jug with you <laughs> god damn it <laughs> so but anyway to shut my computer, computer down, out here number one victory royale it won't stay asleep and i have to like hold its head underwater uh with the power button <laughs> to make it like pass out for the night and otherwise like it just goes into that idle state and it's not it's not actually off rob that was haunting that was haunting to hear time to <laughs> time we need for to talk can we have a t- can we, hey can we mute rob can we have a conversation with rob's pc like are things okay <laughs> i i know that that windows installed didn't go well like do you want to talk about it like what happened so i but here's the you know, here's the other weird part, right? So mm. I've been assuming like maybe oh here's the physical. weird part. <laughs> after after <laughs> Rob I'm not gently Rob gently drowning his computer every it's, fucking. You know, do you guys ever get this thing where like in the middle of the night you hear your computer weeping? Like it sounds like a person <laughs> and it's like asking for help. I don't I don't know what to do about it, but I just. I put a Basically Hugh Jackman's <laughs> character in The Prestige where it seems totally normal and is just killing a different person every night. Um, Rob quietly revealing that he's been in the Existence machine the entire fucking time. <laughs> Camera pulls back. His computer is just like pulsing. <laughs> but, the, okay, a different weird part is that I've been wondering if it's like some of the power button, like physically, is there something up about like connection that just doesn't like that isn't seated right? I don't know. Except of late now, the computer randomly sometimes does power off and shut down normally like it's supposed to completely inconsistently doesn't seem to like sometimes it behaves like a normal computer, but most of the time it like doesn't fully shut off. Um, and it's become a little mystery of of my PC. Uh, Rob, can I ask some clarifying questions about kind of yeah. about you as a person and yeah. kind of what your whole situation is like right now? Mm. What's your relationship with witches? <laughs> uh, I think witches are cool. You think witches are cool? Okay. What is mm-hmm. actually more importantly, a, a better question is, Rob, what are witches' relationship with you? Um. Well, that's a, that's a very good question. Arguably, I'm married to one, so... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Huh. I think okay. it's, that's the way are, he talks about his partner. How do you think the way you know? Which is a cool Rob's partner. Can we get on the line? <laughs> what are what are wait? Okay, I have a clarifying question. What are other religions? Other religions? What are other witches' relationship with your partner? Because now I'm wondering if maybe there's a curse been put upon your home. Mm, That's true. Those those other witch relationships might not be a bit of an Eh. area hex. Someone might say a storm of shadows. The PC might have been caught in the in the effect radius of the of a storm of shadows. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, how many how many how many astromancers is is your partner friends with? Uh, so many, but remember, she did go to grad school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's so was, many alchemists there, right? Like alchemists, a- astromancers, alchemists. The place was lousy with them. <laughs> um, so yeah, so like, I don't know. Like, the computer works in like it's it's a really good PC. It just doesn't do the little quality of life things that I would like, and that's why it has to be drowned nightly. <laughs> Anyway, your computer shares sleeping habits eerily familiar to yours. 
<laughs> Honestly, wow. mine did mine did too. Cause like I I am truly the bitch to take powerful sleep medication and then just like walk out <laughs> into the kitchen so have someone be like, Are you okay? And then I'm like, huh? And then I fall down. Um, so like that, that is the vibes my computer had for a really long time. Maybe, maybe that's what's happening. Maybe all of our computers are kind of reflective of our own hearts, our own desires. Uh, Patrick, do you, are you kind of like haunted by constantly working such that like you can't sleep? I can't, no, I sleep great. I don't stress about my job at all. Doing a lot of good else. work. I'm trying to psychoanalyze know. you f- via your computer. You That's kind of what's yeah. happening here. No, see, pa- Patrick is, um, he's like one of those figures that's just like kind of got it figured out in a way that's really infuriating. <laughs> because you, you can ask Patrick, like, Patrick, you seem like you got it really figured out. What do you do? Patrick don't fucking know. It's just, just in instinctively just is well adjusted and yeah, like, my name's Patrick I'm neurotypical <laughs> doing all that shit someone tip him over <laughs> when you when you get here I'm gonna tip you over there was uh, for a while though uh I, I don't know if Kato just like just now deals with in the recording mm. but uh he was he was sending me messages he's like I've oh, I've checked I've checked the audio file is there a cat nearby? And I was like, absolutely not. I'm highly, highly allergic to cats. They make me fucking miserable. Um, so there's a cat in your recording. <laughs> like, sent me this phone. I'm like, wait, did, did, there was did like, you hear it? Well, Kyle, please, please, yeah. please elaborate. There was a ghost cat. Yes. There was a ghost it's cat. Her- and it, yeah, what did it, I forgot. Wait. It was my chair. Yeah, it was your chair, chair right? Like, oh. chair. It sounded like oh, a cat, though. Well, I was, I was worried was like for a second. Like, I know I seem normal, no, but I've killed so a bunch excited. of cats, and now they haunt me. <laughs> I, was, I was so excited for Patrick to be haunted by ghouls and specters. Like, yeah. if you're not, like, obviously mentally ill, at the very least, you could be haunted by ghouls and specters. <laughs> Come on, I, the dude. The problem is that with, uh, uh, I think I would welcome it into my home. Uh, I, oh, yeah, so a would pro I. Ghoul, pro ghost household. The, um, so this reminds me, like years ago, I was on this podcast called Gamers with Jobs, and one of my friend Sean Sands was on that, and we were having conversations about like anxiety. Going? Over, uh, yeah, they are, but like it's the cast has kind of rotated over, like a new generation, okay. etc. Um, but the the thing was, we were we, like the rest of us were discussing like. Sort of feeling almost anxious when you're like, oh, I don't know what I want to play, but I really want to make good use of my like free time and game time. And we all realized we've never been so collectively owned as when Sean Sands said, I have no idea what any of you were talking about. He was like, I don't. How can you not just 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 play the game you want to play? Why are you making this hard? And it was just like three people just like swinging toward him, just staring at him, like just complete incomprehension on both. But the horror, as we realized, he this wasn't a bit. This, this wasn't him being frustrated. His experience of reality was just knowing what he wanted to do and doing it. Mm. Insane. It and was, we were just it like, not be me. Yeah. It haunts me to this day because it's like, wow, you like the shit. You just know. You just be adjusted. You can know? You can know. That's You can just know. Seems like an impossibility. I'm, I'm like flipping mental coins every time I make a decision over here. Nope. <laughs> there are people, Kato, who simply 
do what they know is their preference and right for the moment and do not need to analyze it beyond that. What is, what is how do you know what is right for the moment? That's, they just uh, do. <laughs> Like, how do you explain yes, I, how I do you agree. explain me going back and forth between Elden Ring and Destiny this week and not really playing either of them for very long because I can't decide which one I should focus on first? Patrick, does that ever happen to you? What have you been playing this week this week, Patrick? <laughs> yeah, Patrick. <laughs> I, no, I couldn't 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 be very efficient with my time. I, I don't know. I played 20 hours of Elden Ring uh in 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 the last uh week. That game, all right. Uh, Ren and Ren. I, we might have talked about this when we discussed Elden Ring before, but a thing that's been really fascinating watching as more people have played this game is um, when you start Elden Ring. Yes, uh, when you go to a yes, when you go to a site of grace, you get uh, there is an arrow on the map, gently pointing you kind of in a direction of uh, a main objective to Correct. to complete the game. Yes. But and so if you follow. The path that the game uh, visually puts in front of you um, when you start, Mm -hmm. you can within two hours, if you were to stick to that path, Mm -hmm. maybe less, like get to um, what's the first, the boss at the castle, not Godric, the one before that. Uh, Oh, oh, it it is Marguerite. Uh, No, 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 Patrick, you can get you can get to Godric in two hours. You, you can, but I but I'm, I'm saying like for, for most people like that first boss is sort of like the 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 game is guiding you toward this first big sort of like boss check skill check and mm-hmm. traditionally when you play a game like this mm-hmm. you hit those and there's frequently not much else for you to do except I'm here this is my this is my dungeon this is my torture chamber I'm going to knock my head against this boss for three four. Five, whatever, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. And I did a little of that, but then turned around and said, I'm just going to go do something else. And then lost 13 hours yeah. to the Southern Peninsula, the Weeping Peninsula yes. in, in Elden Ring. And I think it's been fascinating to watch. And I'm curious how this breaks down for folks who are new to this series or are are coming with, you know, hundreds, thousands of hours of investment. Because this is just totally anecdotal, just observant. But I have found that people who have played these games a lot have said, the thing I need to do now is defeat this fucking bat boss, no matter how long it takes, no matter how frustrated I am, I'm going to beat it, and then I'll figure out what to do next. This is whereas not like, how you play Elden Ring. As someone right, who's playing I'll, this video game, this is not how you do it. I will note, though, I am just better. I just killed him. It's fine. <laughs> but I, I think kill, you started, I killed both of them. Hold on. You started with the fucking imp, imp gif, though, didn't you? I did start with the yeah, imp gif. What I did was my, the, easy, the easy mode that they accidentally no, included no. in this game. Hey, look, yo. Those imps. Hey, wow. Look, no, those imps. Wow. Okay. Hey, no, 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 no. I also one shot Magritte with Kato's the imps. right. Kato's right. Okay. Here's the, here's the thing worth noting. Okay. To give people insight into my build through the video game Elden Ring, I have been playing up until the point, like up until recently, where I did a respec because of things that happened in my understanding of my character's sense of self. Uh, had been playing a Dex and Faith build. And Rob's laughing at me because I just said that I had to respect my character because they hit a point in their narrative that was worthy of a respect. Yeah, um, that tracks. It's a fucking role-playing game. I was, I was sometimes, playing... Sometimes, in, sometimes inspiration and self-reflection comes from finding a very cool sword. It, that's true. So, so I was playing Dex and Faith, and I had a pair of claws which do an obscene amount of bleed damage 
just a fucking stupid amount of bleed that's, damage. That's the one you find in um yes. in the castle, right? And yeah. so no, no, yes. Okay, so these are word of God claws. Hmm. Were these your word of God? God no, claws? those weren't. Those weren't claws. Those are just the physical manifestations right. of the word of God. Yeah. Those aren't claws. Those are for punching. Um, <laughs> my claws are for slashing, Rob. Let's be clear. The hook uh, claw, but they do. Right? I think it's with the yes. Yeah. Uh, I do a stupid amount of bleed damage. Um, my imps also do a stupid amount of bleed damage. Yeah. So Godric, we just fucking shredded. We we we. Shredder from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, watch your shit, because Zara's out here, and she will fucking ruin you. Um, Just, like, honestly trounced a lot of early game stuff, just with the amount of bleed damage I could stack up as quickly as I could, and was also like, I never play with shields in Souls games, ever. So, like, I have always been, like, a shieldless bitch, and have relied entirely on, like, dodges and parries, because it used to be. Back in my day, you could parry with something like a fist weapon, like a set of claws. You could parry with them if they were set in your offhand. So, like, for example, in Dark Souls 3, I played with a dueling rapier in my right hand and a set of claws in my left hand. And I would parry with the left hand, stab with the right hand, and then when I was fighting an enemy I couldn't parry, I would switch to the claws and do a ton of bleed damage. Great. But I kind of swept through the game's early areas because, like it was leaning into the way that I play the game normally, which is doing a lot of hits and setting statuses. And I've ended up playing Elden Ring with a status build, which I've never done before. Cause I've always played like high damage, like just run the boss down characters. And as I've been playing through this time, I've been leaning a lot more into status effects and it's like totally reshaped how I move through these games. I can now fight at areas that are like several degrees above my pay grade because I have learned the exact status effect that I can fuck every single enemy up with. And so like I have like a souls farming location that I was using like a bunch of hours early because I just like learned the status effect I needed, which is like the thing that Elden Ring lets you do is approach the game in accordance to how your character is built. I can fight in Kaled really easily because I was running a faith build and a lot of stuff in Kaled is extremely weak to faith. And so like in the same way that like if you're running a physical attack build, you will prop or faith build, you can probably roll through Lyernia really easily because all the shit there is magic. And if you're running a magic build, when you get to Lyernia, everything there is magic and you will have a harder time. Um, and that is, I think, like, the strength of Elden Ring is, like, people were coming up against Margaret and being like, ah, I don't have the right build for this particular boss right now. And then going back into the open world, finding an area that is better suited to their character at this moment, and then getting strong enough to be able to, like, counteract the deficits of their particular build against that particular boss. And, and that's and that's what I ended up doing, but I it took me too long to unwind how I traditionally approach these games. And it's just been fascinating to watch folks that don't have that much all that sort of like wound up institutional knowledge uh, or like belief of like how I'm supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. It's just like, well, if I can't beat this, I should just keep trying it. And I was like, no, like it's cool. The game is like a fine and B encourages you to leave. And so when I spent all that time by the, when I, when I swept back through, I, I took out all those bosses without, with, with relative ease, but both through sheer like power leveling, but also just better understanding of my build and like finding things that I, I lent, I, I leaned into poison. And like, that was a very yes. delightful yes. status effect to have because it was just like, I had this uh, sword with like, I kind of just like swung it around in a half circle and it just like shot out this poison mist. And I just had to connect once and then just, I don't know, I'll run away from the boss for a little while and like watches a fourth of their health bar disappears. And 
it's it's it has just been fascinating to watch. This game is so much bigger than any other from game has hit before, like exponentially. Yeah. So like this is like th- these games have been big, but this is at like the highest stage of a game hitting. Um, and so while that's fascinating from a perspective, like what it means for from as a studio and like what kind of influence games like Elden Ring can have. But it's more just I really appreciated watching so many different folks come to the game and find enjoyment of the game in different ways that uh, are are different than how I think about these games. And it's like really healthy for my own perspective on like why these games are interesting. And also just it's like a really, really useful as like, oh, you know, I've just spent, you know, a thousand hours thinking this is the approach to these games. And then I watch other people just doing completely different fucking things because the game is open-ended enough to allow people to to find their path there. And it's just really cool. It makes me like very, it makes me very happy. So many people are enjoying this game that otherwise have bounced off similar ones in the past or, or never gave them, gave them a chance. Let's, Rob. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, I was just going to say what's interesting about the, the kind of like ability to go with different places that it feels almost like it tracks most with demon souls to me. Like, the mm, way that you could mm-hmm, just, like, mm-hmm. well, I'm gonna go to the other, uh, whatever, stone, and, like, check out this other area, because I'm having trouble in, like, the first area's boss, where I hit, like, a wall in, a, in, a, in in one area, I could, like, just leave and go to another one. A thing that kind of starts to get, like, even though you could still technically, like, take different paths through, uh, Dark Souls, it does start to get diluted just by, like way of like in dark souls the uh, the, the option was like undead burg or the catacombs and those catacombs with the fucking uh skeletons was not a thing you could do at first it's supposed to be kind of a trick uh <laughs> yeah ren oh no i just, well i was i was getting excited because um it'll, the other thing that is different is like the other routes in dark souls required an item right you have to have the item to right. begin a different route so like you know you could go straight to blight town if you have the right item to go straight to blight town um, but like in general, it was a little more. There was a little bit more of an obvious, like this is yeah. this is the route. Where in yes. in Demon Souls, like I mean, and I'm I just I'm just speaking to the remake, which I assume mostly most of the structural stuff didn't change that much. Yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty much the same. Yeah, and like I like spent a lot of time in the first, like in World One One or whatever, and then like was having some trouble. I was like, well, fuck it. Let me go to world two. And I forget what exact item I found, but I got like halfway through the prison, found some magic item. It was an item or a spell or something that allowed me to then go back to one to unlock that boss. And like that sort of thing didn't happen as much in the dark soul, dark souls, uh, going forward, I feel like, but then this feels like a strong return to that original form honestly but like obviously with the the f- open freeness of an open world map instead of like teleport stones to different levels yeah i think it's i think it's it's the the route setting that is going to happen and people's different routes of moving through this game are going to be absolutely fascinating to me especially in terms of like what quest lines people are hitting yeah there was a people, quest you can line. skip the cat you can just skip the castle you like, can just, skip just the a, castle you can just, so you can just go right past the castle and just head straight to the like the magic area that's like just north of there that like some people did that within the opening hours of the game We're like yeah i'm just just going. I, I didn't know just what to going. do. I didn't know what to do. I just went to the place past the castle. I'm like, oh, the, what? <laughs> like, there that's is beautiful. A divine tower. The divine towers are uh, a key mechanic in this game that you can fucking totally miss if you don't do a particular quest line. 
And I mean, like, not even like the standard, like, oh, you can miss it. No, I mean, like, you will not have the ability to access that divine tower without bumping into a particular quest line. What? What's a divine tower? <laughs> I'm not that far. You want to know what a divine tower is? I'm 12 hours in. Should I have hit one yet? No. no. Okay. Uh, well, it depends. The, uh, I'm not past the castle yet. I, I, I fucked okay. around in a lot of the other ca- places. The, ca- the castle and Godric is a- around the time when you would. Okay. Okay. You you can you yeah. can figure out a divine. I mean, like the divine <laughs> ta- like yeah, they're required. They're like tied to an item that you can equip on your character, and the divine yeah. towers tie tie into that. Yeah, like an a like an essential game mechanic that like oh my god, it's I love so to be twelve good. hours into a game and not have the essential game mechanic yet. It's very. I mean, funny. There, there is a uh, like uh, in the castle, there is a completely missable. I mean, the castle is a fucking labyrinth. Like it is. I uh, I finished it and then loaded up like a wiki. To, so I was like, I know there's an underground area that I missed, and I have no idea where I would even. F- find i can't even think of an area that i marked off in my brain that right. i would go to find it uh so i just loaded up a wiki and i was like i never not in a million years would i have thought to go around this area so like i feel good looking up that solution anyway but there is a uh a separate area that seems very missable and also requires uh a stone sword key to mm-hmm. get to um mm. that has a different uh i think it's a, a whetstone knife or like a variant of that that gives you even more options, options when for ashes your of war. Yes. ashes of war where like normally you have like normal and quality normal and what like you have two options like right. to, like based on how it's going to modify the weapon and what attribute it might give to you this one gives you like four or five like a huge difference of options for your individual oh my god uh, every weapon oh my and god <laughs> so missable completely maybe you can buy it later i have no fucking idea but it wouldn't shock me if you couldn't and uh it is just not signposted what's it is just buried in a completely nondescript otherwise like ordinary room that i when i picked it up i i had to google i was like what what is this not a weapon like what did i pick up and i was like oh that seems important <laughs> Yeah, no this this game is is fucking wild. Like the the whetstone knives, I haven't I haven't actually fucked with weapon upgrading much, mostly because I've been sticking to uh, unique weapons, which cannot be upgraded in that means. Or also um, my like claws. There aren't many ashes of war for fist weapons in this game, and so um, I mean that that's kind of bummed me out like, to the point tough. where I like I really like I I also went the the Wolverine claws route because I'm a Dex intelligence build, and so. It, f- it slotted really nicely with how I was playing, where like I have these tornado from the claw. distance. I'm throwing, yeah, from the distance I'm throwing rocks, and then I'm getting up close and making you bleed, and like that's been yeah. really fun and enjoyable, and like very kind of bloodborne-y um, in terms of uh, how I play. But I never change my Ashes of War because it's like I'm constantly picking them up. I'm like, oh, cool, is this a new one that I can put no, on? It's like, no, never, no, you can't. Never. And if so, you're using claws, fuck you. Like, as I went to bed last night, quite literally, as I went to sleep last night, I, like, anxiety is not the right word, but I, I was, like, kind of stewing on the fact that every time I picked one up, I didn't get a cool new, um, <laughs> like, special move to play with. Like, the one I'm sticking with is the one where I kind of dash forward. Yeah. Um, and it breaks a lot of stances and can go through shields frequently. Um, I was like, well, I want something else. So I'm just going to spend some time and, like, upgrade and pick out a second weapon and start carrying that around so I can have a little more uh, variety with it. Um, this yeah. is the you- first Souls game where I've used multiple weapons at the same time on the same character. Um, 
I once showed Patrick and Kato a boss fight that I was doing, where basically what my character did was she walked into the <laughs> fucking boss room. Juggling status effects Yeah, at she once. fucking walks into the boss room with a fucking crate full of medieval weapons, slaps them down on the ground, and is like, all right, fuckers, let's get to work. Um, <laughs> the way that that, that that fucking build worked is, is stupid. I had to open with applying um, frostbite with my scythe, then I posture broke the enemies with my fist of God, and then I applied bleed damage with the claws, at which point I then started the cycle over again and just cycled between these three weapons in my right hand while also still casting incantations with my left hand the entire time. It was the most on one I've ever fucking been during a boss fight. It is just it, absolutely ridiculous. Um, I want to go back to one thing. Mm. Robert Zachney, mm. you chuckled. You you had yourself a little party when I said that I did totally revamp my character stats in accordance with a narrative moment that I felt was appropriate. Can you elaborate on that chuckle? Can we can we can we discuss? My feeling just from what people said about the the, the from games and uh, like what I've observed is that in your twenty twenty game of the year, Demon Souls. Yeah, but I don't I, like. That is one game is a remake, and it's one game out of many. I don't extrapolate too much about that, but it is always that in that okay, like in that example, I would say my character still felt like a cipher, like it was a like my character had a compilation of stats, a lot of points dumped and maybe the wrong columns, but like <laughs> it's not like do? I ever what felt. Does, what does luck do? I keep putting points into luck. <laughs> yeah, that may have been There's suboptimal. There was one sword that you would have had a great time with that scales with luck and scales infinitely. Apparently, the blue blood sword. Gamers. I was I was told, but then people were like, you know, but by the time you get the blue blood sword, you kind of won't need the kind of like you'll kind of be rocking with anything at that point. I was like, well, fuck. Anyway, <laughs> point is, my character didn't feel like this is a character with an inner life. No, no, no. My character felt like good with some weapons. Not good with others, good with some types of like, uh, you know, has some skills, but like not others, but didn't feel like, ah, my characters had a crisis of faith. I, if only I could dump my remaining, my, my remaining faith points and put them elsewhere. That didn't feel like a thing that like even were feasible would be a thing that would be like encouraged to like relate to the character on that level. Like that did not feel like it would be meaningful in that game. I think that the Souls games have always had that problem. I think Elden Ring does. I, I'm not sure I'd say it's a problem, but it, it, they leave a lot of space. And in previous Souls games, I have I have struggled to fill that space. I've been able to like think of a basic character concept because this is how I play video games, right? I go into video games, I look at the character concept, I look at the like character creator, and I instill the character with as much meaning or interest as I can, and then I start the video game. Um. And the thing that actually Elden Ring does that helps with this is the amount of game-spanning quest lines in this are pretty significant and, and gave me the room to kind of explore that space in, in more interesting ways. And so, like, also, Elden Ring's world building is full enough to create an interesting, like, place to play around in. And so, like, starting as a character who has a very particular relationship to one of the game's many faiths, coming in, in into contact with different incantations throughout the game 
encouraged me to think about her in different ways, right? Like the way in which like in previous FromSoft games, the faith stat has applied to incantations uh, and pyromancies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and generally incantations, the, the vast majority of incantations fall within the dominant religious order of a given video game in the series, right? The thing about Elden Ring is that faith in Elden Ring feels less like faith in a particular god and more like a broad belief stat. And so, like, as I've played this video game, my character who started off like wearing religious garb and wearing, like, church armor suddenly started finding incantations that were totally different and completely unrelated to the faith that she'd professed her entire life, but worked just as well mechanically. Which, like, opens a question for me when I come into contact with something like that, right? What does that actually mean for this character that I am playing in this moment? And for me, that developed into, like, an interesting crisis of faith, where she's like, okay, how do I interact with this now? Like, what does it mean to have a high faith stat in this setting? And for me, it became like, okay, instead of believing in a god, she believes wholeheartedly, like, across the board. But belief does not equal love in her particular case. So, like, most times people talk about faith. Faith is an act of love, right? To believe in God is to love God. For Zada that is not the case. To believe is to believe in the presence of something and to be able to channel that presence. And so like the game gave me the tools needed to build that narrative. And I actually think that one of the things that I wanted to touch on in my review, but ended up leaving out um, because I think I'll need more time to sit with it is that the way in which Elden Ring allows for route setting and allows for characters to approach this world in radically different ways is actually creating a lot more space for that personal narrativization. Right, the fact that like two characters can have totally different builds and go off in totally different fucking directions is in some ways feels to me like it is encouraging the player to think to themselves, what do I find interesting about this world? And what do I think this character finds interesting about this world? Let me go there and do it. I guess when I when I look at games like this, I view the character as more like a mech chassis more than a person with like a story and a narrative. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, I'm the same way. And like listening to Ren talk about her character, all I could think the whole time was like, I wish I could play games like this, this way. It sounds really fascinating and cool and engaging with the character. I, part of that's just like, I, I, same reason I struggle with things like playing D and D and other like tabletop role playing games. You have to role play and invent and like do the creative part on your own. I rely so much on the game, giving me something to work with. And then I build on top of that, that absent, absent that when it's when it's just sort of a a paper character that you're projecting onto with the tools of the world around it i find that i I, i'm like rob that i know this is just sort of like a warrior that i'm putting things onto and or more of an action figure than it is actually something with meaningful sort of like agency and emotion in the world around it on the other hand like i could totally say like i am curious if like elden ring does by virtue of the fact that like in Demon Souls, levels are so programmatic that it's like, ah, here there are many different choreographed steps you can learn to get through these areas. They'll be different building it based on how you, you build your character. Um, but because the levels are like so tuned that way, uh, I do wonder if simply the 
different way you engage with Elden Ring from the start uh, creates more of that space where like, ah, here's a world and a character um, as opposed to Demon Souls, much more like here is a memorized well, series Here's a racetrack. Here's a yeah. racetrack. Yeah. Like, there's, and actually similar to racing, like there is a racing line. Like there, there yeah. really is like your build is going to determine what that racing line is. But w- once you know how your build works and how they interact with the tricks and traps in front of you, you're kind of just following the choreography and getting to the end. And that's where I think that that space recontextualizes but does not redefine Elden Ring, right? That is where the recontextualization is taking place, is is in making that character feel more grounded, right? They're giving players more tools to make their characters feel like characters as you go. Um, one of the systems they add um, partway through the game is clothing alteration, which is like, sure, players have done fashion souls for a very long time, but like one of the big moments in like this character narrative for me was realizing that there is a version of the confessor's armor. The confessor is like the cl- the starting class that I began the game with that is like a church knight slash spy. Mm-hmm. There is an altered version of the confessor's armor that removes all of the religious accoutrement. It removes the cowl. It removes the symbol of the order. And when I saw that, there's another thing that happens, and this it's is an affordance for your experience. Like, it's an affordance for your experience, yeah. and also, this is um, Patrick. You said you're doing int, right? Yeah. Okay, Kata, what are you doing? Int, int, int dex. Int dex. Okay. In that it case, seems to be the pop. Seems to be the popular uh, 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 sort of like setup from a lot of people I've I've seen playing the game. People, if you do not want a spoiler for a particular thing. For a particular quest line that involves the the dragon incantations, Just don't listen for the next like thirty seconds. I'm I'm putting my thumb up. Is that okay? Can I? Can yeah. I? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Every single time you go to the altar of dragon communion and sacrifice a dragon heart to this fucking altar that gives you access to these dragon incantations, these like dragon based religious spells. I noticed that after about three or four my character's eyes had changed color. I did not notice this for hours and hours, and then I panned the camera around in a particular moment, and I saw that her eyes were a blinding yellow with those like reptile-like vertical pupils. And then I texted a friend and was like, did this happen to your character too? And they were like, what do you mean? And they pulled up the game and they were like, oh my god, I thought I built my character like that. And they hadn't. And so Elden Ring is... In a way that, like, the series has always been, but to a different degree, willing to change your character as the world changes them. And, like, that is really exciting for me as someone who likes doing this narrativization. Getting that moment where I turned the camera around and was like, oh, okay, she isn't just experimenting with other faiths. This experimentation is changing her. Her relationship to the world is changing through this aesthetic marker. And then if you combine that with losing the religious accoutrement from her armor, suddenly like you have enough to signal a change in a character if you want that signal to be there. If right. you're looking for something, it's there. And that is the part that is really exciting to me. In the quest lines, right? By following a particular quest line, you are having access to a particular set of areas and like you are interacting with this one character in a very particular way. And that quest line is deeply interested in faith and what the game understands magic to be. And like all of this shit 
happens to perfectly align with the version of this game that I am playing as this one particular character. And I bet if you did a totally different fucking build, you would have that exact same, you would have the exact same number of cool things that can happen to and get your character involved in that will change them. And so, like, that is why I think that Elden Ring is so good for me in particular, and why I've clicked with it. Like, I've played all of the Souls games to completion. Like, I've I'm, I love them a lot, but none of them have clicked with me narratively in this way. I love Dark Souls two and Dark Souls three from like a stru- from like a narrative structure perspective. They're like they're as like a pieces of like art and design that come to a particular conclusion. I think they're phenomenal. I think they're like doing incredibly, incredibly cool shit and doing it extremely well. Um, But their characters never felt like characters in a way that, like, my Elden Ring character does. And I think that's really fun. And yes, this is, of course, like, an effect of how I play video games more than anything else. But, like, the fact that I have this place to play around in that I didn't have before is very exciting to me. I mean, I think it it is partially also in the tradition of what an RPG is, right? Uh, A lot of RPGs kind of ended up becoming narrative forward because uh, people who hadn't played TTRPGs, right, were like, you're being presented with situations and then you come up with the other end of it, like what your character does and how they react. Like, that wasn't translating well to to games. So there was like, if you want story, you are going to put it in, we're going to put in the story and like your character's reactions in there as mechanic. But this kind of would, like has like the silent GM like feeling to it for me right like there's yes. all these open threads like they've prepped a bu- an entire world and like the you end up narrativizing things because of the choices that you make like you can drop or pick up quest lines like all over the place in just the opening uh area of this game like the bunch of different npcs and just like deciding whether or not to be like you know what i don't actually like that person like i met an npc the other night where i'm like I feel like my guy would kill this dude on sight, and so I did. And that and that quest is probably gone now. Uh, and uh, I don't know if it was important or not. Like I don't, but like that's what my character, who I, I'm playing, I played a prisoner. Um, and like I like got it into my head that they were uh very much like against most of the other nobles in this place. Um, that uh. It, it, yeah, it's like the, it has all these options here for you to uh, lean into in the way that, uh, like, not very, you know, like an open uh, GM, like a, a GM that's not going to try to railroad a party, uh, has, like, in a, go- a good GM has, like, the openness that, like, you know, you can go and make the story yourself. Um, this one has that more than any of the other ones, even though they were all technically RPGs in the sense that you put stats into a character sheet. Um, but this is, this feels more like it has both ends of that RPG, like open-endedness, ending, endness, yeah. Open-endedness. Open-ended, open-ended, open-endedness. Trailing off like a From Software NPC. Open, open open-endedness. I was like, why does that word sound wrong? Open-endedness, tarnished. All right, well, we're going to uh, end in this this uh, segment and <laughs> take a quick break. Stupid. And... Fucking terrible. Oh, my no, God. I, Rob, don't let them. Don't let the haters get you. Oh, oh my God. No, do. Back after this. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I too have been playing an RPG. <laughs> I'm sorry. A car PG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yeah. <laughs> wow. From that transition <laughs> to that cool. opening. Nice. Uh, nice. Wow. Nice. Just... nice. 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 Rob. Nice. Nice. The transition as good as your Logitech racing wheel. Writing. Writing <laughs> is an art form. And so is so is oration. A lot of people forget that. Like 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 good conversation. <laughs> well, united by the skill art of that rhetoric. You, is a, exactly rhetoric conversation. There are skills that you develop, and you know one thing a lot of people are saying about Rob Zachney is that much like he was a master of the racing wheel that he fucking hates, uh, he too is a master of rhetoric and oration. I saw some real masterful driving today, Rob. Well, I okay. just um, love to hit the love to hit the brake. Feels good on my feet. It feels my good toes to hit the love break. to brake. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for people who and the watch wall today's... feels good to break upon. <laughs> for people who didn't watch today's stream, uh, it should be Thursday's stream. Yes, Kato and I are playing a little bit of Gran Turismo Seven. Grand. Uh, a <laughs> damn it, Patrick. Fucker. <laughs> no, he meant that's grand for you. Like, yes. really oh grand. yeah. <laughs> oh, grand. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Lord Patrick. <laughs> Why don't they just call it Grand Racing Cars? Uh, all right. So. The stream could have gone better. And honestly, it was my commitment. I, I feel like the stream went the stream went well. <laughs> stream was great. I, I watched part of it. That was that was terrific viewing. It's very entertaining. I love art. So, so here's the thing. This is me. This is me being a river to my people yet again. Uh, so I've been playing Gran Turismo for about a week with the PlayStation 5 controller. Feels very good. The controls are very well tuned for it. I in my review, I talk about like all the great like things it communicates about the car, its handling, etc. It's really good at that. People started asking, like, right after I posted the review, they were like, hey, you play with a racing wheel? And I was like, no, it's a console racing game. I only use my uh, racing wheel for PC games. It doesn't even, then I looked, and I saw the PlayStation logo, like, on the center of the racing wheel, and I was like, oh, huh, well, I guess that probably implies it would work. Wait, 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 w
And Rob Zachney is out here being like, surely not. No, this would, this would, this, not, I would hate to. Be, I, I never would, would have be, purchased a racing wheel with a I PlayStation never button on it. I would never besmirch my wheel with the mark of the PlayStation. Oh, no, 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 no. Surely, surely this was a misprint and could not have been on my PC racing game wheel. I oh, wish, the horror. I wish Rob used his hands as much as you are now <laughs> as he talks. Rob just like, oh, just like flicking his hands up constantly. So in a huff. Hold on, you need to understand something. <laughs> the there are like two Can't wheels. Talk to a woman like this. There are two wheels. One is the G twenty nine, and one is the nine twenty. One works on Xbox. One works on PlayStation. I just forgot which one. Okay, that does have. Now that I look at the. <laughs> okay, there is a big PlayStation logo though, in like where the where the, the where the badge would be on a real like car. Mm. Uh, there's a yeah, that's the PlayStation logo. I spit my fucking water. I just tried so hard oh. not to coat my second monitor. Uh, so I was like, this will be a great thing to do on stream, and I'll look so cool. People will be like, because people are like. Rob, why don't you like, you know, you're, you 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 play racing games a lot. Like, show us your, your like you your most hardcore. And I was like, people will love to see me doing that. So we we set up a little stream, and uh, I started out playing on the controller, and I looked great, like total Chad stuff, just like you know, notching wins, just effortless. People were always saying this. Yeah, people were like. That Rob Zachney is such a Chad. We actually yeah, had to get Chaddy. them. To st- it was getting spammed in the chat. We had to like put in like a you know put it, the mods had to step in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please no. Rob Chadney. Rob, Rob Chadney. <laughs> Rob Chadney. Uh, so I had spent the morning. Uh, like I, I create a little setup where like I could switch to the racing wheel. I'd, I'd, I'd made sure it all worked. And so in the middle of the stream, like. We moved to the to the racing wheel setup, which I had not used except to like verify the controls working right. And I ate shit. Um, like <laughs> it was bad. Uh, like it really didn't look that bad. Oh well. I mean... So, it, <laughs> admittedly, it got way worse when I turned off traction control. Like yeah. there was a moment where I did turn Nakato, and I knew that I was throwing myself on the fire. I knew like. <laughs> This was going to be where it broke bad was going to be where I turned off all the driver's aids and just like try to be one with the road through my Logitech, whatever the fuck wheel. <laughs> um, and it didn't go well. I have a few theories about this. One is that the wheel is not very good. Um, like... <laughs> The pedals, like the the accelerator pedal is loose, but the brake pedal is like incredibly stiff, has no travel at all. So it's very tough to know like how hard you're braking, um, like just a little brush on it, like causes it to go to saturation. But then like to get the pedal to go to maximum depress, uh, you've really got to like uh, mash your foot down. It's it's really stiff. This all matters. It matters. It does. Patrick. Um. But the other thing that I did was, yeah, we turned off all the driver's aids, which was like 
at a baseline, the game wants to give you some traction control help, stability control. It wants to give you uh, counter steering help. So like when the car begins to like spin away from you, when you start instinctively trying to correct, the game will sort of step in and behind the scenes also input some controls to maybe help you gather up the car. And the thing is, like all console racing games do this, their assists, like good assists, make it feel like you're doing everything. Um, and then just very invisibly, they are sort of like rounding off the rough edges that would come from using a controller. When you go to a racing wheel setup, uh, that stuff would still be helpful, but you do need it less. Uh, like the fact that like you now have a, a full steering wheel where you have a huge range of motion where you can be really precise. You do need steering assistance less. You can still benefit from it, but you need it less. Can I, can I ask a um, question? One thing I noticed I was dipping it yeah. out of the stream was that you... It seemed you switched from first person to third person when you switched to the wheel. Was that also part of the process or was that just aesthetic? No, Kato wanted to see the pretty cars. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, I thought I thought maybe it had something to do with the range. When you brought no. up the range of motion point, I thought, no. oh, maybe that had, maybe no. something about the first person made, made that easier to deal with peripherally uh, in, in the third person format. There was a so lot the of third- moments where Rob almost traded paint with other people. And I was like, wow, you made it out of that unscathed. I wouldn't be able to do that unless I was in third person, which is the way that I play racing games. I need to be able to see the yeah, whole car too. to kind of into, like like make the the physical connection to how and it's to moving. be fair, the game looked fucking fantastic from outside the car. Yeah. Like you move the yeah. car into the chase cam and now the car is relatively small in the field of view and you just see the whole like skybox and the track. Game looks great, but... I want to feel like I'm racing the car. I want to feel like <laughs> yeah. I own the pretty European sports yeah. car. Totally. I also did it. I also did notice that Rob did actually start trading paint more once he was in third person, <laughs> view, which is not, which is not an indictment of Rob. It just, it's just, he's a first person driver. And when he went into the third person, his ability to judge distances between one car and another seems to have slipped a little bit. Or is it that, that was the baby game arcade camera. And then I started treating it like a baby game arcade and just started roughing these people off. The wheel is bad. The camera is bad. Rob's okay, so great. I don't genuinely, I don't like the pedals on the steering wheel. Like this is like, that's the main issue. I think there's also just um, ergonomically, it just doesn't fit at my desk real well. Like, the, mm. like, opt, like what I like to do is I like to do left foot braking. Um, which is huh. where it's what it sounds like. Yeah. Like excel, like throttle right foot, brake on left. Um, there is a noticeable, like it noticeably slows you down if you have to like move your foot to brake. Sure. Um, is that do you do that in real life or is this just your racing thing? It depends what conditions are in real life. Most of the time, okay. I'm gonna use right foot braking because left foot braking is tiring. Um, okay. it's way easier to just like put that thing yeah. a little foot rest down there yeah. at, at at 70, 80 miles an hour highway speeds. Who gives a shit about that? Um, if like if things like if things are super dicey, I might uh, like do left foot braking. Uh, or if like in the snow, like in winter weather, like when you're like managing gas brake more, like do you, is that when you employ it, or is it uh, like when you're yeah. getting away from a heist? <laughs> a little bit. Um, if if I'm on a cool, just a just a fun uh, like little twisty bit of road, it might be might be more fun to do a little bit of left foot braking. Um, but yeah, like I, like I want to like, 
you know, like coming down to Waypoint uh, like a year or two ago, I got caught in this like terrifying downpour. And that was that was probably the most, like, scariest thing I've ever done in the car was like um, just wa- just wash out conditions you couldn't see. Oh, um, and like just, you know, you go above 40 miles an hour and you could feel the tires just start to lose like contact with the ground. And so that was so dicey that like that was a case where like you're constantly like feathering both pedals at times to try to like, uh, where's the road? Where's the road? You feel the tires sort of like cushioned down. So stuff like that. Um, but so you're saying in, in that situation, you'd need a heavy wet. <laughs> like what? You said in that situation, you would need some heavy wets. I would need heavy wets. And I, I, yes, um, didn't, didn't have them. Um, <laughs> you you saying that while me also re- seeing the tweet on the timeline go by that says try fingers butt ho hole colon how Elden Ring sparked my curiosity altered my sexuality and changed who I am my newest for vice <laughs> <laughs> which I did retweet I did yeah. so I was I yeah. cl- I clicked the retweets to see like some of the sourcing on this is like oh Rend retweeted this 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 adds up this adds up anyway sorry uh, yeah so back to um, your wet tires. Yeah, but also just like it made me realize like, oh, wow, if you like people, those full sim rigs, you can put the pedals relative to where they would be with an actual steering wheel. So it can be nice and comfy. Instead, I got little alligator arms like uh, trying to drive like this, which makes it hard to make like the hard turns. Uh, I'm I'm doing a little thing where it's like I'm hunched over the wheel because that's how it feels when I'm using that using that wheel. So it's, it's partly desk issues. Um, But yeah, the, the main thing I did where things got really chaotic was. I turned off all driver's aids and all hell broke loose. Like I could not drive. Like the minute we took traction control down to zero, <laughs> I could not keep that car on the road to save my life. It was humiliating. Um, there were, there were t- like, and sometimes I would know like, okay, I know where I made a mistake there, but other times, like there was this one moment where I thought like just making a routine turn and suddenly the car just spun out. And I was like, I have no idea where that came from. I have no idea what I did. Um, must have been just like a little bit of like a millimeter too much, uh, you know, uh, travel on the accelerator or something. So, yeah, just like completely owning myself uh, throughout today's stream. But it was it was kind of fun. Like, I've never played Grand Turismo game with the steering wheel. It was kind of cool. Like now having now having done it, I'm like. I must master this. Uh, I'm going to post. So, Rob, uh, recently I was at. Um, uh, I took my daughter to. She has like this weekend science class. And I took out the Steam Deck there. And this person across the way from me, one of the other dads, lit up. Was just like, holy shit. Like, is that a Steam Deck? And I just let him play with it for an hour. So then we like traded numbers. And I was like, oh, I was really into video games. It's rare for me to meet someone like that out here in the suburbs. Like, we should try and hang out. Kids are the same age. And he sent me some messages because he was building a huge uh, racing thing in his house. And I've pulled the pictures of it. And I want to send them to... I'm, I'm putting them in the Discord right now. They're uploading. This should go through Whoa. now. Oh, my this God. This is the setup. That he oh, my building. God. Yep. This in is a fucking basement. gamer. Um. Wow, look at I mean, the kind go. of person that like <laughs> runs away from his wife and like asks a stranger, do you, is that, is that a Steam Deck? Can I play with it? Like not, not super shocking that the logical extension of that is, and then he said like, this is like mid development. Um, hey, is that a box fan? Sure looks like yeah. it. Yeah. 
Is that, that to simulate that, wind that's during That's to simulate race? wind, isn't oh it? Oh my god. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Galaxy brain. <laughs> Fucking 4DX uh, experience. <laughs> dudes. Dudes, dudes fucking rock. Yeah. Dudes rock. Dudes <laughs> rock. This is like, like to show people like to, to try and like the person has a box fan attached to the front of their big professional or like professional amateur sort of like racing contraption that they've made. And it's like it's just this, you know, this ten dollar Walmart box fan strapped to the front with a cord going off to the side. And also, if you'll notice in the first picture, if you see where the headphones are. Mm-hmm. Uh, draped up just like on a water pipe, like off, yes. to, off to the side. It's, Good. Uh, it's beautiful. I, it's beautiful. Who here has seen the film Burn After Reading? Oh, God. I literally ago. thought about that fucking chair. I no! And <laughs> <laughs> no! Burn After Reading, there is a guy making a thing. And at the end of that movie, if he'd pulled the fucking tarp off and revealed this, I would have been. 100% unsurprised. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good uh, movie. Uh, that's a good, good movie. movie. Shout out to Burn After Reading. Shout out to the Coen Brothers. Yeah. Um so yeah, um it was it, it but it was it was fun doing the setup. It was, it was it was fun uh sort of like showing off that aspect of the game and I don't know how much I'm going to play of it in that way. Um but it was it, it was definitely cool to try it out. Uh, yeah, Gran Turismo, really, really good game. Um, it's it seems like it's getting pretty like universally uh, like friendly reviews. I think there's something in the, I think there's something about this game uh, that is hitting like the exact nostalgia buttons that people are looking to have hit uh, right now. I don't like. Something about it was even as I start playing, I was like, I think I, I think I am primed for this in a really weird way, um, and I'm not sure I would have been because because uh, you asked me like to describe Gran Turismo, uh, like pretty much throughout its history, I would say it's always been kind of the stodgy racing game. That's the thing is mm-hmm. like I'm not coming to this as like I love Gran Turismo. I have really fond memories of Gran Turismo too on PlayStation Two. Like it was kind of a holy shit. Like this is what you know, consoles can do now moment. But even then it was like such a series that was so. uh, What's the way to put it? Like kind of bloodless almost in his appreciation of of the car. It was, it was a bit like uh, it was a bit like getting, I used to go to the Chicago auto show. Right. And like one of the things that was fun to get there uh, if you're a little kid was like just all the brochures that the manufacturers brought with them. Gran Turismo felt like a huge bag of brochures for cars. And that could be fun, but also there's kind of a aesthetic that like the sales brochure has, right? Where it's all like abstract lines and like pristine, uh, like, you know, pristine uh, environments. That's kind of well, how Gran even, Turismo. Even the way when, when I, I don't care for sim game, sim racing games, especially, yeah. but the, when I, if you were to ask me, what do I think of when I think of the series? I think of the replays. I I like lots of racing games have replays, but like the the Turismo series, like especially early on, was like, hey, our game's gonna look better in replay mm-hmm. mode. We are going to try and achieve a cinematic flourish that that uh is going to give you the sensation of watching racing on TV. And my understanding is like with this version of the game on the PS5, like the only way to get, you know, like ray tracing 
um, in the game in real time is to watch the replay. So you can see your game, your race with ray tracing and it'll look as beautiful as possible, but it's only in the replay mode, which I think only emphasizes like that sort of like thematic approach to like cars, how it appreciates cars, like the level of detail that like Sony allows this studio polyphony digital to like just kind of go off and do this stuff for years. And then eventually they come back with a game seems like GT Sport from they like skipped an entire generation. They yeah. skipped the PlayStation 4, which is the, the GT, like, GT Sport the was basically is. like a mini GT because Sony was like, please fucking put out something so we can say that you did and from something. What it looks like what they put out was their multiplayer mode for the game they were working on. That's the <laughs> other part. It's like you go into like sp- the sport area of the menu and it's, it's just GT Sport. That's right. what it is. So like, yeah, Polyphony's like the check is so blank that like Sony's like, all right, PlayStation 4. Polyphony's like, mm, catch us after. <laughs> like that is like they last released a mainline one of these in 2013. Um, and somehow in those eight years, I went from like, oh, like Gran Turismo is so stodgy. Oh my God, I got old. <laughs> oh my God. Oh no. Oh, oh shit. No. I mean, like eight years, that's 30 I'm to 40, for Rob. Loss. I mean, like that's, I mean, that's like the, the way someone appreciates even a thing like an automobile in the course of like a decade, like that's a, that's a long time to have a relationship change with a, with a, with an object. It's there. Yeah. But that, that maybe that maybe that is like almost certainly part of it uh, is like uh, the relationship does change. Um, and I think maybe something else is that so many games have come along since then not being Gran Turismo. And that in some ways throws into stark relief. What's kind of nice about a Gran Turismo experience, well, like Forza, like, right? Like we haven't had a like a the Forza was essentially Microsoft's answer to the Turismo series. Um, and then you have the Horizon being like, well, rather than having the arcade get in our sim, let's just have the arcade go be the arcade. And then the most recent Horizon is a like, you know, it's a it's a a car looter like game. Like it is it is a yes. celebration of cars, but like. Not real, like in a different, a to- totally any like got to catch them all Pokemon sort of way um, where you're not really attached to any one car and it's just sort of a free for all. And then that like I don't think you can get more on the other side of the like I'm going down a volcano in the most recent Horizon. Yeah. And um, maybe you'd be lucky if there's a ray trace volcano off in the distance if it just happens to fit within the scenery of of, of a racetrack in, 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 in Gran Turismo 5. But it's almost like the extremes of the Horizon series. Uh, this is just circumstance, but just imagine think, like Wes Anderson, Mount Fuji. I was a volcano. I'm not anymore. <laughs> but back in my day, I could my, erupt. My favorite car starter car is Toyota Dial. What? <laughs> that was a that, <laughs> that was a Toyota Dial joke. Wow! These what good? Second yeah, second generation Poke- Pokemon, Pokemon second, starter. Second gen what? Pokemon starter, Totodile. <laughs> second gen Pokemon third. Kato, you were supposed to save us. You just made Rob and I look like assholes. No, as nobody no, no. laughs at her joke. And <laughs> oh my, I'm crying. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh listeners aren't gonna wow. get that because we had to cut. 
uh, lengthy oh, conversation from the beginning fuck, of this podcast. That is, Rob, that is <laughs> thing I think you've ever said. Oh, oh my god, eviscerated, misting up Rob Zachney because I said Toyota dial. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, uh, but I'm also like, so I spent winter break like playing a bunch of Forza, and something hit me there is like their handling model is really unforgiving, but like playing a bunch of like a bunch of that game also made me realize like, wow, it's a bit generic and it's a little bit like so invested in making the cars feel a little bit like overpowering um, that you're just like barely in control of them that in some ways, like it's kind of a less of a showcase of like how cool these cars are and more of like a showcase of like how kind of, frustrating they all can be in like these really similar ways and Gran Turismo playing it it's like okay it just feels more like a car in some really important ways like the things respond more predictably um the way they sort of like feel on the track surface feels like a little more convincing and a little bit more individualized from car to car which makes sense like you go even Forza Motorsport which is less of a Horizon is like trying to it's like a slot machine that only throws jackpots. Mm-hmm. And so at every moment with with Forza Horizon, cars just spilling out onto the floor. Bring, 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 bring. Uh, and, and like, you kind of can't screw up, right? Like there are more idealized cars you can. But like, really, the game's like, I don't know. You'll be fine. Just pick the car you want to race as like you'll be good. We'll make it work. Yeah, they, they, it doesn't even matter that much. Like what what you're what you're rocking. Uh, but even like Forza is there are so many different cars in it because like Forza kind of wants to like it throws everything in there. And I would say maybe if it's a little bit more pitched toward the American market, it's maybe way more interested in fucking cars, uh, trucks. I mean, than uh, than mm. like Gran Turismo, like Forza throws all that shit in there and it fe- it ends up feeling a little bit less interested in any one car and just more interested in like this massive rolodex of cars uh that that this her gives you it's still it's still really good but like coming to this it's like wow this this game seems to be way more focused on its library of cars and seems to have way more of a handle on how to represent them differently from one another that well, it's, was it's- um really charming it sounds like a like Forza has a more consumptive approach to like cars and car culture as like a as like a mode of consumption versus like Gran Turismo, which is more interested in like cars as as a as a personal tool that you like develop a particular relationship with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Gran Turismo, like honestly, like it frequently feels like polyphony or maybe uh, like the designer uh, Yamauchi. They'd be happiest throwing gallery shows for these cars and like writing the game, the game part is secondary. <laughs> yeah. Where, where's well, good where's, thing yeah. we figured that out 20 years ago because I don't want to think about the game part anymore. How do we spend more time figuring out the tiny details of the interior and represent that in the game? Um, and honestly, they fucking nailed that. Like, it's <laughs> uh, man, I, 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 if they're not doing ray tracing, um, I need, I need to watch the sit down and watch the digital foundry uh video on this because. Those are the I've, heard the, I've heard the ray tracing in the um, like the like the cafe that you're like propped up in is incredible. 
look like I've heard oh, like that 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 little cafe looks amazing in the game. My only beef with the cafe is that it's over the table settings are too formal for the vibe they're going for. <laughs> like that is people can tell me maybe like maybe like your classic iconic sort of like Japanese retreat from the world coffee coffee house is a little bit more like for, a formal dining room. But for me, I'm like, there's like plates on plates in this. That's not you know that's not going to happen in a cafe that I'm going to like. I'm not. Why, why is there Saturn glass next to ne- next to my little play setting? I don't need that. But still, still, it's still gorgeous in there. Uh, the little the little people like popping popping up to tell you like his, the history of your car is a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, like it's it's been it's been a week with that game, and it has been a consistent pleasure to just sort of like go and commune with the spirit of automotive history. Um, now, of course, that I've found a way to ruin it for myself, um, I'm probably going to get to work doing that. Um, the good times are over. Uh, now it's going to become a racing wheel game until uh, I'm good enough at it. Because um, I was I was so happy just like upgrading my car like I would eat shit in a race. And I'd be like, wow, that went really poorly. It's probably because I didn't buy the upgrades I need to show off my natural skill. And so in and this is this is old school as hell. This is the last thing I'll talk about. So Gran Turismo has always been this way, but I forgot how wild it is, which is that you can just buy better shit for your car and upgrade it and car go faster. (laughs) And in in Forza, like the system still exists, but they're much more aggressive in that game about capping how many performance points your car can have. Um, so like, and by the way, they do this in sports car racing. It's called balance of performance, and it's the wildest shit. Do you know how they managed to make like every manufacturer competitive in like uh, Grand Touring racing or Le Mans racing? I know you're dying to know the answer to this, Patrick. Like, how do all those how do all those manufacturers field cars that are perfectly competitive? How do they? They homologate the cars down to identical performance envelopes. They homologate like, the performance envelopes? They homologate. <laughs> so. Uh, now I'm back in. Tell me about the homogate. <laughs> so, so they, they do this thing, homologation, where they make all the I cars. I thought they banned that. <laughs> I also do homologation. shit. <laughs> Oh, the thing is about homologation. Well, the thing the thing I'll say is they do kind of tamp down on the expressiveness that the cars are allowed. Like it's it's very much Mm. like some Mm. cars are a little too much, others not enough, and they just sort of like make sure they all hit the appropriate like the appropriate amount of raciness. And the reason they do this is because, like, no manufacturer is going to compete in a series where they just eat shit every week. Like, nobody's going to be like, and there goes the Cadillac team sucking it up and just getting completely owned by every other car on the circuit. But somehow they take all these different cars and they make them perform pretty similarly, which means, like, you have to go in one car with a bigger engine and, like, that engine has to be less powerful and slower. Another car with, like, Really good handling. What if you handle a little bit less well? Maybe we'll throw some ballast weights in there 
to like bring everyone into the same performance band. It's wild that they do this. Forza was really aggressive about that, uh, where you couldn't bring a car onto into an event that was like too strong. Gran Turismo is like, just put whatever you want on that car. Just let it, just let it all hang out. And so you can take, you can take your shitty little car where you're not real competitive and you'd be like, I'm just going to put a massive new engine in that car. And Gran Turismo is like, cool, done. What else you want? Uh, what about like, like huge, like powerful racing brakes? Cool, done. And so you can in that game and it encourages you to do, do this. If you're not like winning races, you can just buy stuff that makes your car enormously faster and makes you a better driver. Like when you put racing slicks on this car, softest racing compound, massive grip levels, you will just be able to go through corners and your car won't skid. Did before, now it doesn't. And it will feel like you're awesome. You will be like, my God, I have complete control of this car. But really, you've just like bought good shit that the other drivers on the track don't have. (laughs) <laughs> that allows you to get away with stuff that there's no way that they could. And it feels fucking awesome. You like, you played this event and you're like, oh, I couldn't win. And now you watch the car that like was beating you in a straight line. And now you are just chasing them down like a cheetah after a gazelle. And did you like, did you get better at the game? Did you earn this? Define earn. I earned credits that I spent on car upgrades and they made me better. But I had to earn those credits. So I deserve this victory, which gives me more credits. And much like a cheetah heading down the straights, uh, you also struggle to uh, rapidly change direction uh, and go careening into a wall uh, the moment that (laughs) that a hard turn comes up because you are not used to your new vehicle. It is possible that Gran Turismo, even though it is... A celebration of sports car and sports car car culture. Has amply demonstrated why I should not buy a sports car. <laughs> like this is a game that's very much like if you buy a sports car, you are going to wrap that thing around a light pole <laughs> the second so day you fast. own it. The so second day you fast. own it. First day is gonna be like, wow, this car can do so much. It handles so great. Day two is me pulling into a parking garage too fast. And just like burying it in the toll booth. And that's God. it. That's 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 my Gran Turismo uh, experience. That's my warning. Hey, we got a big, important work meeting to go to. Ah, shit. Uh, so we will call it here. You can check out what we published on waypoint.vice.com. Uh, check out my Gran Turismo review. It's a lot of fun. Um, I liked it quite a bit. We've also been streaming a whole bunch. Thanks to Waypoint Plus. Uh, thanks to everyone who signed up at waypointplus.com. This week, uh, we streamed We Know the Devil. Uh, Ren and I continued to just be, I was going to say undefeated at war. I guess we didn't lose any of those battles. We haven't but lost a single battle. Our peasant armies have taken some L's, but we, <laughs> as commanders... No, well, okay. We lost some peasants, but we gained so many jade warriors. That's true. They uh, were promoted. God God closes a, dra- God closes a grave. Uh, he opens a draft <laughs> class. Uh, <laughs> and I think we'll be going back to that next week. Uh, people told us some, some wild stuff's about to pop off in Warhammer. 
So we might uh, do at least one more stream of that to see some of the aforementioned wild stuff. Uh, for our Waypoint Plus listeners, um, let's see. We had to postpone manhunting, but we might still hit the schedule on that. What's been on the uh, Waypoint Plus feed lately, uh, Kato? Uh, last thing was the 101. Kingsfield. Kingsfield 101. Um, but yeah, next up should be, depending on timing, Last of the Mohicans. Man, man Oof. hunting. Oof, fucking rolls. Uh, so check it out. <laughs> Worth seeing. It's going to be a great show. Uh, that sounds good. If you just want more Waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Not only do you get access to our premium feed, but you're also helping support Waypoint and everything else we do here. The theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. You want to follow me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Patrick. Uh, I think we're going to uh, talk about the Batman on Monday. So if you see it this weekend, you have questions, write into gamingadvice.com. With I'm going to cut and that we'll... and put that at the front. <laughs> sure, yeah. You can do both. God, do whatever you want. Uh, so yeah, write in those questions about the Batman, and, and you can follow me at Patrick Fulbert. The Batman. Ren. You can follow me on Twitter at Ren or Raven, where you can also see me retweeting a bunch of shit about the GMG union strike, uh, which you should look into and potentially support because uh, they're going through it right now. They really are. It's been uh, it's been like a solid two years of horrible management practices that are finally yeah. uh, coming coming to a head. Um, I think I think for me, the like the real cruelty and malice was like when they decided to fuck up the AV club and just force people to move to LA for no good goddamn reason. That's where I was like, mm. wow, this is just like animated by pure spite uh, and, and hatefulness. Uh, I, I can say it cause I don't work there anymore. Jim Spanfellow, you're a fucking herb. Suck my dick from the back. Uh, <laughs> Kato. Uh, deep in the fucking throne world of Savathun trying to get my level up for this fucking raid on Saturday. Wish me fucking luck. All right. Well, uh, that's us calling time on this week. We'll talk to you again next week, probably about Batman. Uh, until then, <laughs> fuck capitalism. Fuck Jim Spanfowler. Go home. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.